The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL show. This is part one of our draft recap. We are doing a giant mega draft recap for you. Look, there are times when there are five different SB Nation NFL show shows. And there are times when we are one network. And this is one of those times. You're not used to hearing my voice on a Monday. That's I'm sitting in for Pete Sweeney, who's off, I don't know, getting a haircut or a manicure or doing whatever it is Pete Sweeney does when he's not on the air. I am very happy to be joined by my two co-hosts. This is weird. Worlds are colliding for me. We have Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation and RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. RJ, I want to have you guys just fight, and then whoever wins can survive to be the host with me the rest of the week. Well, so first of all, uh, believe me, I'm all for bagging on Pete Sweeney. Um, you know, he of uh, supreme Kansas City Chiefs homerism. However, this is his house, so we're going to back off the Pete Sweeney uh, criticisms in this particular space uh, because it is Monday Football Monday after all. It's nice for all of us to be here. This feels like... Uh, the episodes of Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice where they would like blend over, you know what I mean? And it was just like your whole week had that going on as opposed to just one night. Uh, so that's really cool to see. I think that that makes me Addison, if I'm being honest. Uh, shout out to Kate Walsh. Um, while, while we're, I guess, patting ourselves on the back stats and BLG, uh, well, this actually isn't a BLG related thing. Uh, a review on the SB Nation NFL show on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. Leave a rating, write a review. Mario Cap on Saturday. Stats, you and I didn't sleep on Saturday because we're the real hustlers at the SB Nation <laughs> NFL show. We started recording at 1 a.m. Friday night, and Mario appreciates us. Just a five-word review. Stats and RJ, great job, three exclamation points. Notably absent, Brandon Lee Gunn. Of course, but then if you look at the next <laughs> review, maybe you would see from ECR327 uh, that they say they watch every episode, not just listen. I don't know how they're watching us. I don't know how they're getting the – maybe they have, like, cameras set up, but I appreciate the dedication. Uh, great host. BLD is the man. Want to hear him as much as possible. My respect for RJ after choosing the correct dipping sauce for wings, which – what was that again, RJ? You prefer – uh, this was a conversation in our Slack channel um, amongst all SB Nation NFL show hosts. Um, when I was talking to, um, I already forgot who I was talking to about this, but um, I, I'm a ranch dressing type of guy. And so the age old blue cheese ranch, we know how Stats feels about this. BLG, you're a ranch, you're, you're the picky eater 
Um, so that's not you, true. <laughs> you don't you don't like food like you, you like you eat you know oxygen. That's what you eat. But like this is what, the craziest take ever. I'm like the biggest <laughs> food person here. No, you don't like normal foods. You you mm. like six foods and that's it. Um, and mm. you you stand for them. I, I will give you that. But uh, but ranch or blue cheese with your wings. Honestly, both for me. It's both for me. And I just want to say uh, stats. You you introduced RJ wrong earlier at the top of the show. I think you said RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. Obviously, it's RJ Ochoa, most notably from Bleeding Green Nation's podcast feed, the <laughs> NFC East mixtape. But, but uh, we'll get into that later this week. We have uh, too many winners and losers to talk about from this draft. And I feel like we've stalled too long. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to do a whole first part one on just the AFC. That's going to come out today, Monday. And then tomorrow we will do the whole NFC. There's three NFC hosts here. So we will break down everything national football conference. That'll come out on Tuesday. We both are well, both. We all three liked the draft that the Cleveland Browns had. The draft was in Cleveland, so we thought we should go to Cleveland, and that's exactly what we're going to do now. We're going to bring in Andy McNamara from Dogs by Nature. Andy, what's up, man? How you doing? Oh, gentlemen, what a draft in Cleveland. I wish I could have been there personally myself, but by all accounts, it looked great. You had the macho fan, yeah, stealing the show in the second round. We had... Pumpkin head up there. You had Machine Gun Kelly predicting Super Bowl. It was an event. And then the draft picks came, which were, you know, the real prize. First of all, let me just say, Macho Man fan, a billion times better than Drew Pearson. Like, I am all set with Drew Pearson, RJ. Right? Give me Macho mm. Man fan. <laughs> I'm, I think, you know, what I'm particularly upset about is Andy, you know, and, and naming everybody that was there, buried the lead, Kings of Leon. I mean, let's go here. Let's let's pay some proper respects here to, right. to one of America's greatest rock institutions. I mean, <laughs> near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at that. So, you know, just saying. <laughs> It was a great, it looked like a great weekend. The series went off, it was good. My first question to you is, what was it like for you having to wait all this time and knowing you weren't going quarterback in round one? Did it make it more exciting or less exciting as just a fan? It was certainly weird because as Browns fans, we're used to the draft being the place where you you get the savior. You get, okay, if we get this, if we get this then yes, this will finally turn around. Not the case. So it was a different mindset. I think it was more exciting from the, the standpoint of, all right, you had sort of the guys in mind that you wanted, and then, okay, player X is off the board. All right, well, how does that affect they? So it was a bit more gamesmanship just mentally as a fan getting ready. And in my mock draft, I had them taking Greg Newsom, and they took him. So I, I was thrilled as far as the best corner available. All those guys were clumped pretty close together. Uh, and I think the Browns, if, if Newsom can stay healthy, you have a guy that can step in potentially day one opposite Denzel Ward and be a factor. So I, I thought that was a tremendous pickup. So maybe you've already tipped your hand with this question I'm about to ask you, Andy, but I want to know your most favorite pick from this class and then your least favorite pick from this year's class. The, uh, the favorite pick is Jeremiah Owusu-Karamawa uh, that the Browns took out of Notre Dame. That is a first-round talent, gentlemen. That is a first-round talent without a shadow of a doubt. Anywhere between in the, in the late teens to mid-20s, Browns traded up to get him in the second round. And I think he might have fallen because he sort of falls into that hybrid tweener category. Is he a linebacker? Well, he could be an in-the-box safety sometimes. He could be a nickel corner sometimes. To me, he's just a weapon. And in that Joe Woods defense in Cleveland, what you're looking for, it's a 4-2-5. So you're looking more for speed, for versatility. And, uh, boy, uh, uh, Owusu Karamala is is 
he can he can move, he can cover sideline to sideline, he can tackle, he can break through. So that to me was the best value pick, and it filled the position of need. And the dude's got a super chip on his shoulder. I, I think th- those two picks right there, you got two day one starters who can be absolute bangers in that defense. So I was just thrilled. I've never popped and cheered so much for a linebacker in my life. It was great. Andy, I um, I think the Browns had, and I don't mean this in a way that sounds like it's belittling, but they had the draft where like everybody's heard of half of these players, which is that's that's always something that works well um, in draft grades. But obviously, the value here, I, and I, I agree with you on the JOK pick, and it's it's a really Im- impressive thing that the best value is on a player they traded up to get. Just really speaks to the player in general. Um, another name. Uh, sort of in the Andy Isabella mold of of late round receivers that people had talked about, your, your general kind of senior bowl types like Cooper Cup. Anthony Schwartz is a guy that many people were huge fans of. Uh, over the weekend, Odell Beckham Jr. was on Instagram going off. Like I, I just feel like the Browns doubled down in all of their strengths, and that's why it does feel like they might be the biggest winners in the conference after this weekend. I think so. Like I can go through each pick. And when you get to the fifth, sixth round, right, there's what, – what do you expect? You hope the guy can be a special teams contributor and turn into some sort of working piece. So you never get super excited necessarily about those late picks. But Anthony Schwartz, that was a sneaky pickup, and I think it's one that can be useful this year but also in the future because let's face it, guys. Based on the salary cap, Baker Mayfield's going to get paid. You're going to pay Denzel Ward. You're going to pay Nick Chubb. Someone's got to be a casualty. You're not going to have the high high-priced contracts of Odell Beckham Jr., and Jarvis Landry on this team next year. It's not going to happen. So what you do with Anthony Schwartz is we use the term like track and field speed, track speed all the time. This dude legitimately has won gold and silver medals at international track contests. But what I like most is it's not just one of those speedy guys like, wow, he can run really fast, but he can't catch the ball. No, no, no. Schwartz can run routes, great hands. You can put him outside. If you want, you can put him inside because if you if you give him a breath, he's going to be gone. So I think this is a, a guy who potentially you could use maybe on the kick return side a little bit as well. Really sort of let him find his place first year and then develop him. So if we're talking too, just from a fantasy football perspective for a sec, guys, dynasty-wise, as a late-round pick and stash going forward, Anthony Schwartz, I love. That wasn't just a speed pick. That was a weapon pick for the Browns. Let me zoom out a little bit, Andy, if I could. I just look, and five of the eight draft picks that were on defense for Cleveland, do you agree in general that that side of the ball was, I don't want to say the problem, but the biggest area the Browns needed to address? On the defensive side, yeah, it, it certainly was. It was absolutely the side that needed to be addressed. And GM Andrew Barry said as much in his post-draft press conference. He said, okay, year one, they needed to make sure they put everything around Baker Mayfield to find out if he was the guy. Well, to me, second half of that season, you go week eight through the playoffs, a 15 to two touchdown to interception ratio. Check. He's the guy to me. Then what you had to do is work on the defensive side. What did they do there? And I love the off season because when you look at the free agent signings, the Browns put themselves in a position where they didn't necessarily have to reach for anybody. Did you want corner? Was that the still the Yes. Didn't have to be though. So when you look at that defense now, it's a lot of prove-it contract, guys. If Jadavian Clowney wants another big daddy contract going forward, that dude's going to have to stay on the field and prove it. These players need the Browns more than the Browns need the players. Tack McKinley as well. So you got that rotation side. And then you go uh, Joe Johnson, safety, tremendous pickup. Troy Hill also from the Rams in there. So we look at, at the, the defensive side. You have veterans with something to prove. Anthony Walker on the linebacker. The Colts were like weeping. The, his teammates were crying that he was leaving. So you have, you have weapons there. 
on prove-it deals that can ease these young guys in who are playmakers. So I think it's that nice fold, that nice rotation. And now Joe Woods has no excuses as long as injuries don't go. By the way, you get Grant Delpit back, who tore his Achilles at the beginning of last year. So you got him, Greedy Williams. This defense, if healthy, gentlemen, has taken a huge step forward. There's no reason why the Browns should not contend for the division title. Well, that kind of leads me into my question here. I was going to say, like, do you feel like the Browns are the team to beat now? And along those lines, is there anything that stood out to you concerning or relieving, maybe something you kind of reveled in, from another draft in the AFC North? Uh, I think if you look at the North, still one of the tougher divisions. How is Joe Burrow going to come back from Cincinnati? Um, for Pittsburgh, is Ben Roethlisberger, is it glue factory time? Or, or does he have one more run? Last time we saw him, he was weeping. He was crying. Oh, I love that. I just put that up once in a while and just, just enjoy it, seeing that. But <laughs> for the Baltimore Ravens, listen, everybody complaining, oh, they don't have wide receivers. I, I, I still maintain, I think Marquise Hollywood Brown's a pretty damn good receiver. I think Mark Andrews is really good. Is, I think we might find out this year with Baltimore's investment in, in wide receivers, is it the quarterback? Is it the system or is it the receivers? We're going to find out. To me, I think it's if you're in a run-first offense with a run-first quarterback who, let's face it, you can put up all the pretty stats you want. I take a whole bunch of other quarterbacks when it comes to actually needing to pass the ball than Lamar Jackson. So we're going to find out. I still think it's probably Ravens-Browns right at the top and then Steelers a shade underneath. Andy, my last one for you is uh, now that the team acquisition portion of the offseason is over, you mentioned a lot of ways the Browns had kind of hedged their bets. They weren't in any positions to really uh, be desperate for anything. But what's the weakest point of this roster? Now now that there are no real viable resources to go out and add to it, where's the one place that you're losing sleep at night? Honestly, no, nowhere really. I am a little nervous still about kicker because we got old double doink there. You know <laughs> what an what a nice life you're living, Andy. It's, it's, been, it's been a haul, man. <laughs> We deserve kicker. Like, if that's the problem, that's fine. So kicker makes me a little nervous still. Outside of that, um, the health of Greedy Williams, the fact that Greg Newsom did miss three games in each season in college, you know, so the durability at cornerback is still a concern. I love the additions. If everyone's healthy, it's great. But you're still, I think you have enough depth. But if you get hit with a couple injuries, that spot could get ugly quick. So I wouldn't mind if there's somebody floating around out there, maybe even another corner body on a one-year deal, uh, a veteran that might be sitting, or or via trade. Like there's there lots of talk, Stefan Gilmore getting traded in and out of this offseason. So some another addition at corner would be where I would like, but even if it's not, I'm still pretty happy. Well, there you go. The Browns drafted eight Hall of Famers, and life is good in Cleveland. <laughs> Andy go. McNamara from Dogs by Nature. Thank you very much, sir. All right, boys. Talk to you soon. Thanks again to Andy. We appreciate the time. All right, guys, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to dive in both feet, winners, losers, everything American football conference after the break. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. All right, no more stalling, diving in, draft winners, draft losers, what we liked, what we didn't like. RJ, we were just talking about the AFC North. So let's stick in the AFC North because you want to mention the Cincinnati Bengals. I do. Um, are either of you, I believe Stats is not, a fan of the television show Community that was on NBC once upon a time. BLG, yeah. I, thought, I thought you were my better chance here. Looks like no. Um, I've seen it, but it's okay. been a while. I said looks like, and ECR agrees because he watches all these episodes. But um, So there is an episode of Community, Season 3, Episode 4, very well known, called Remedial Chaos Theory. And in the episode, it's a group of friends. Uh, there's seven of them. 
and they ordered a pizza. They're hanging out at somebody's apartment. Uh, the doorbell rings. Nobody wants to go get the pizza. So one person grabs a dice because they're playing some board games, and he numbers everybody. One, two, three, four, five, six. He says, I'm going to roll the dice, and whatever number it lands on, if it's you, you have to go downstairs and get the pizza. And the super existential thinking person of the group, his name is Abed, says, wait a minute. You've just created six different timelines of life where you know we all go down. And so the episode explores all of the different timelines where each person leaves and, and the ensuing conversations that happen. It's really great. Um, I believe that the Cincinnati Bengals have uncovered their own remedial chaos theory, and it started with the fifth overall pick. Um, I know our friends at Cincy Jungle have uh, been debating this for a long time, and this this pick really will determine who Joe Burrow is for them. They passed on Panay Sewell, obviously, in the name of Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow's buddy from LSU. And I, I think it's about more than that. I don't want to belittle the point to just say it's his friend. Um, but this this is a really franchise-defining you know decision that they made. And do we think they made the right one? This is honestly, outside of Trevor Lawrence, the, the biggest pick made in the draft, I believe, because it's an exacerbation of last year's number one overall pick. I like Jamar Chase. And I think in this era of the NFL, maybe more than ever, you kind of have to keep your quarterback happy. Like you kind of have to actually like do the things you want, especially if you want to keep them around or else as we seen in different situations, Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, like quarterbacks went out if they don't really get what they want. So uh, I get all that, but it's the wrong pick. I mean, right. you have to build through the trenches. Penites, look, Joe Burrow got killed last year. He's not going to be necessarily 100% at the start of this year. We don't even know, I guess, if he's like 100% starting week one because he got destroyed behind a terrible offensive line. I get they made some additions. They signed Riley Reef in free agency. But like, that's not going to cut it. That's not a long-term solution. That's, that's a like a band-aid it's a stopgap so i would have taken sewell i like chase it's nothing against him i think he's gonna be a really nice player and i get that they have the connection and everything but i think like fundamentally this is not how you build a winning football team i totally agree blg to me i know it's not sexy but the offensive line number one if you look back historically your chances of hitting on an offensive lineman in the first round are way better than your chances of hitting on a wide receiver that's just a pure fact the, the, I think it's like 60% of offensive linemen in the first round sign a second contract with the team that drafted them, and wide receivers down at like 18% or something. It's crazy. But also, I like Cincinnati's receivers already yes. before yeah. this. Like, I don't think they were bad at all. Offensive line helps every other position. It's going to make the receivers that you already have better because Burrow's going to have time to throw. It's going to make Joe Mixon better because he's going to have more lanes to run in. Like, I thought it was obvious what Cincinnati could do, especially because if you still want a wide receiver, you can take one later in the draft. We've seen guys go in the second and third round recently that are very productive. So to me, I get the temptation. It's much sexier to pick a wide receiver. You reunite Joe Burrow, all that stuff. But I think they made the wrong choice. I think this is a symptom of, and I can't wait to talk about the Bears tomorrow with you guys because I think we'll have a similar take, um, sort of future spoiler alert. But this this is what happens when you have a head coach who's on the hot seat, right? Like Zach Taylor is number one, right? If we power ranked NFL coaches on the hot seat. And this is a, let me get a name in here that all the fans are going to love uh, because it's it's the more reckless pick. And that's really unfair to Jamar Chase. And maybe he, he winds up being the best receiver in this class. But it's very possible, like even right now, that he's not the best receiver receiver in this class versus Sewell, who is already inarguably the best tackle prospect from the class. And I know that the Bengals doubled down on tackles later on in the class, but I just, 
the the alternate reality where Joe Burrow has Panay Sewell is is a much better one for the Bengals franchise as a whole. If if you know if we're also power ranking really bad things, the Lions are the candidates that have the number one overall pick next year, right? Arbitrary quarterback X that goes there, I think, is already set up better for success than Joe Burrow is in Cincinnati in what will be entering year three with or without his buddy from college being his star wide receiver. It's um, I'm disappointed in the Bengals. Ultimately, I, I hope I hope we're all wrong just because, you know, we all want to see players do well. But but this feels like it was uh, it was the wrong decision to make. Especially in a year that was said to be like and, and was, I feel like, deep at receiver. Like you, it wasn't like, oh, there's no receiver talent this year. You got to get a guy early. I mean, they could have, you want you want to reunite LSU receiver too with quarterback. I mean, Terrace Marshall, they could have gotten him in the second round after taking, you know, uh, Sewell in the first round. And like Stat said, I was absolutely going to bring up, they have Tyler Board. Boyd, they have T. Higgins, um, like Auden Tate. They have, they have guys there at receiver. They're not barren at all. It just feels like a forced pick. I get like the idea of best player available. If you truly feel like Jamar Chase is an elite prospect and you can't miss him, then I, I get that theory. But I, I really just don't think that was the case. And I think you have to consider positional value. And I think they eschewed that to their dismay. Eschewed. Very nice. That's going to that's gonna get a good review right there for sure. <laughs> I agree. Um, hope, like you said, RJ, I think you're right. Hopefully we're wrong. I want everybody picked in this draft to be awesome because that just makes it better for us as fans. I know that's not going to be the case, but hopefully we're wrong. Let's move to the AFC South now, BLG. You wanted to talk about the Indianapolis Colts, not surprisingly. <laughs> I, I have a feeling you're going to have very high praise for the former Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz, right? So I didn't want to make the winners and losers that we're doing here just about like teams. I feel like it's fair to go beyond the team. Carson Wentz specifically is a loser from the 2021 <laughs> NFL draft because the Colts drafted Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger at number 218 overall. And uh, I think Carson Wentz, uh, breaking news here, is actually requesting a trade again. Um, that's a, obviously just a joke. But I mean, like joke aside, that's a little bit of a hedge, right? Like, Maybe not a big one, but it's like at least a tiny bit of a hedge against Carson Wentz. Um, and the real reason, though, like I don't think this is a good draft for Carson Wentz, is that they didn't really get – the Colts didn't get him a ton of help. I mean, they got like tight end slash H-back uh, Kylan Granson from SMU at num- number 127 or overall. That was their highest offensive player. The other guys were like late-round guys, Charleston wide receiver Mike Strahan, Strahan um, Penn State. Offensive tackle Will Fries at number 248 overall. Like, who's the Colts starting left tackle right now? Do you guys know the answer to that question? I don't. Uh, (laughs) It's not not Anthony Costanzo. I know that. It's Sam Tevy, who ranked 82nd out of 89 offensive tackles by PFF last year. So, like, that's the guy who's protecting Carson Wentz's blindside right now. The guy who fumbles a ton. Like, there's still some, you know, free agents out there. Like, Eric Fisher is out there, and that could be a logical signing because he was obviously uh, in KC with Chris Ballard. There's that connection. Uh, Russell Okung is out there. Uh, Villanueva, Jason Peters is still out there. So they can get a Band-Aid, like a stopgap, but that's just not good enough. I mean... Uh, you can say they did a good job by not forcing the pick, but there's no one protecting Carson Wentz's blindside reliably right now. BLG, uh, I agree with you overall. And so, like, if Carson Wentz is a loser, the Indianapolis Colts are mega losers because they're the ones who hitched their wagon to him. Or, like, they're the ones who went out and traded for him. This isn't like a free agent quarterback they signed. Um, I saw your uh, your BGN co-host Jimmy Kemsky tweet during the Aaron Rodgers hysteria leading up to the first round, like the Colts are now seeing Aaron Rodgers be available and thinking like, holy crap, we just went and, you know, acquired Carson Wentz. Uh, Stats and I banged the drum a lot on the look ahead. 
go get Kenny Galladay. I know Allen Robinson, you know, didn't hit free agency, but I mean, the Colts, they did nothing. And this, this was a quarterback that if you were going to acquire him, you were going to have to coddle him. That was a, that was a reality, right? Like we all knew that. And like, if you accept that, then fine, but then coddle him. If you don't coddle him, you're, you're, you're just you're doing the exact same thing that the Eagles did. Um, I, in fact, I think you're doing less. Like the Eagles at least drafted Jalen Rager last year. Um, granted, they did draft Jalen Hurts. I thought it was funny. I saw a lot of people's pro comp for Sam Ellinger uh, is in fact Jalen Hurts, which is just you know hilarious uh, in the grand scheme of it all. Uh, for non Texas based people, uh, just you know, since the University of Texas hasn't been relevant in forever, which I'm obligated <laughs> to say as a fight in Texas Aggie, Sam Ellinger is the quarterback who mouthed the the idea that Texas was back after the Sugar Bowl win over Georgia a couple of years ago. So he is like a meme. And I think that that's uh, – and he's a big personality online. And I, I I know it sounds like I'm joking here, but I think that's a big thing here as opposed to even who – like Kellen Mott out of A&M who went to Minnesota. He's not this, you know, not this heavy known name throughout like online circles and communities and like someone who people on blogs and in comment sections like at Stampede Blue are going to be talking about. Everybody knows Sam Ellinger's name. Again, as a Cowboys fan, I can tell you like half of my family was like, the Cowboys need to draft Sam Ellinger just as a backup because everybody wants that dude, right? Like from their favorite college or whatever. And that's that's going to be a thing. Like if Carson Wentz is the the guy we think that's like, you know, up late at night on Reddit reading every comment about him, he's going to see a lot of Sam Ellinger comments. And this just also uh, BLG, we talked about Quiddy Pay on the NFC East mixtape, and that was the Colts first pick. Um, and I, I just I don't know. Overall, it was a, a really flat draft from a GM that a lot of people tout as one of the best in the NFL. I love Chris Ballard. I think Chris Ballard is a very good GM. I'm Case really point. Surpri- I'm surprised at the way he went. You know, we were talking about how Cincinnati already had weapons for Burrow. Like, who's Carson Wentz's biggest weapon right now for the Colts? Like T.Y. Hilton. The ghost of T.Y. Hilton, who was dead in the water last year until he went on a run late in the season. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I do not feel good if I'm a Colts fan about my weapons. Like, you have the worst offensive weapons in the division by far. Even worse than Jacksonville, I feel like. Worse Houston. than Houston? Yeah, Houston. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, w- I was only talking about professional teams. Yeah. Well, okay. but like Houston has Kiki QT. Like, would you not like trade almost any Colts wide receiver for Kiki QT? I think Pittman could be good. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, Pittman's that's okay. a great point. But that's it. Like, okay, so that's your superstar at this point. Yeah, right. he's not a difference maker. That's your fastball. I mean, it's it's really stunning, especially in a in a time. And I feel like this has been the case with everyone in the AFC South, except for the Titans, which is a credit to them. But like Houston had an op- the moment Andrew Luck retired, Houston had an opportunity to run that division. And they completely like fell all over themselves. Jacksonville, <laughs> you know, went to the AFC title game now four years ago. And then afterwards, just like got so full of themselves from a front office perspective and then fell all over themselves. Indianapolis is looking at a division where Jacksonville I mean, it's only a matter of time, seemingly, until Trevor Lawrence has established himself, and they're at least a mild threat. Houston is currently still falling all over themselves. Tennessee is your only threat, and you don't even do – like, you 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 need your A.J. Brown. Like, look no further than your division to see the example that you need. I wanted to bring up another team real quick in the AFC South, another loser. Uh, I don't want to stay long on this because they've had enough. Uh, they've been beaten down enough, but it, it is the Texans. I mean – Obviously, they lack draft picks this year because all those dumb trades they made. And they their only pick in the top 67 was Davis Mills, a quarterback. Like, that's what you get. And obviously, I think they lose two. They're losers here because other teams with quarterback holes are now filled 
and Aaron Rodgers now potentially available. So it's like you're losing leverage in the Deshaun Watson trade if that even becomes a thing. I will say the positive, the silver lining for the Texans is they have a pick in each round next year and all drafts beyond. So beyond this year, maybe they can get it right. But it just it sucks. Like as a Texans fan, it's like, you know, there's just there hasn't been anything to like feel good about. So it's tough. We did the draft preview. I was in charge of the AFC, and I talked to Matt Weston from Battle Red Blog. And, you know, I try to – to me, the draft is all about hope. So I asked him, give me something positive about the Texans, and he responded, that is the hardest question anybody has ever asked me because things are so down in Houston right now. We talked about the Jags. Um, Maybe I'm crazy. I am not on the Trevor Lawrence train. Like, maybe he'll be Mm. great, but I'm not just assuming that he's going to be good. If you look at the history of the draft, the last, like, 10 drafts, the first quarterback taken has not been the best quarterback. Plus, and this is what I really don't like, I'm down on Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach, but who else do they have there? Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel. You know what those guys are best known for? Holding back Russell Wilson. Like, they make it harder for your quarterback. So I'm not at all convinced that everything's going to be rosy in Jacksonville, BLG. Am I alone in this train? I've long not been an Urban Meyer guy, which is kind of like, I get if Jack Sands are listening to this, they're like, well, how could he not be? He wins everywhere he goes. But I don't know. I just don't know. You know, I, I've seen Chip Kelly firsthand stats. You have also seen Chip Kelly firsthand. Accurate. and. Just doesn't always work out for college coaches in the NFL. Not to say it can't happen, but I don't know the vibes there. Even just like hearing him, I guess it was on day three, uh, talking during the draft. I'm like one of the Philadelphia uh, beat reporters here, I think, uh, actually tweeted out like Urban is so full of S. And I was like, yeah, he is <laughs> like, I, I just can't stand this guy. Um, I, you know, obviously, I think Jacksonville did some nice things in the draft just in the sense of, you know, they had all these high picks. They could do some nice things. I don't. How do you feel about Trevor Lawrence, RJ? I feel like it's it was like under talked about going into the draft, right? Because it was all we all knew it was going to happen. It's, it's been like a lock to happen for years now that Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one eventually when he did come out. And obviously his like the profile of that player, like being all the experience he had and everything um, is certainly like one of the better projections you you could make in theory heading into the NFL. But how do you feel about T-Law? So I agree, first of all, on the Urban Meyer front. I don't, you, you both said like, I'm not an Urban Meyer guy. Who's an Urban Meyer guy? Like who, <laughs> who is out here, you know, like standing for this. Um, and so all that being said, um, I mean, and, and like that archetype really doesn't work. Like you both mentioned Chip Kelly. Who's the last college guy to have like Pete Carroll, right? But like Jim Harbaugh, I guess that's fair. But like he did, he still didn't have ultimate success. Like Pete Carroll did, but he had failed at the NFL level before. And so you know, mm-hmm. I just I'm I'm, I'm hard pressed to believe that it's just gonna it's gonna work because like it has to finally. Um, I'm I'm not down on Trevor Lawrence, but you're right, BLG. It was it was interesting that this was finally like the manifestation of something that had been in the works for so long. In fact, my my adoring wife, uh, my beautiful wife, uh, was kind enough to uh, feed me uh, throughout the weekend just because I was so busy. <laughs> uh, and so she had picked up a, a water burger for me on Thursday night in the first round. So she was kind of like setting it up for me because I was doing this and doing that. And she heard that, you know, part of the television broadcast. And she was like, wow, finally, just because she knows, like she's heard this forever. And then it turned into this conversation. Like, 
I, you know, about the national championship they won with Trevor Lawrence. And I was like, and, and we were talking about our lives. And I was like, this has been in the works since like us, you know, when we were doing this. And she was like, wow. Like, and so kind of putting in, in that perspective, I'm very excited to see Trevor Lawrence. I felt so bad for James Palmer. I don't know if either of you saw this clip on NFL Network. Uh, he interviewed him uh, at the Jaguar Stadium. And, uh, and I think it was kind of a joke, but said um, he had a football. He said, I want to catch the first pass from you um, in the stadium in the NFL. And Trevor was like, nah, I'm good. Like, it was so awkward <laughs> and, like, not James's fault at all. Um, and I, I think he's going to be – awkward's a, a heavy term, but I think he's just going to be a quiet guy. And I think that's why it feels so flat to you, Stats, maybe, uh, because he doesn't enter despite – we're just so bored of it. We're so bored with Trevor Lawrence to, as number one overall that we've been living it forever. And I think what happened is – is you know the Jaguars double down in taking Travis Etienne it's just now like okay you're Clemson South and I'm very excited about that I think if uh, if you play Madden and you like to do like franchise mode or if you do like a connected franchise and you want to play with a bunch of friends maybe the Jaguars are the team you want to be and you can build these guys up but um I, I don't know that I believe it happens right away. I do believe in Trevor Lawrence, but I think this could be a situation where he's just kind of trapped by all the crap that's around him in his NFL organization. All I'm saying is I got to see it. Like I could willing to admit that maybe he's going to be great, but I'm not just going to assume it. To me, it's a rebuttable presumption. Let me see it, and then I'll believe it. I do like a couple of the other picks. Wait, 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 Stats, though. But you're, you're completely sold that Trey Lance is going to be a Hall of Famer. I didn't say Hall of Famer. <laughs> we can save that. We can save that for Tuesday. <laughs> I certainly like Kyle Shanahan a hell of a lot more than I like Urban Meyer. But I we like know. a couple. I like a couple of the other picks the Jags made. I think the Walker Little pick was a good was a good pick. He's had some injury history, but he could be. I mean, he was at one point thought to be one of the best offensive linemen in the entire class. So I like that by Jacksonville. I saw a stat. I think four of the five teams that picked a quarterback in the first round also picked an offensive lineman on the day one or day two of the draft, which I, I like that. Like, you don't know that these guys are going to be good, but at least I could see sort of the strategy there through the trees. Let's move to the AFC West. And if you guys will allow me, I have to, I have to crush the Denver Broncos. Like, what are they doing? They're sitting there. Everything is falling perfectly for the Denver Broncos. Justin Fields is there at number nine. He is sitting in their lap. The 49ers gave up three firsts and a third to move up to get their quarterback. Here's Denver sitting there, potentially could draft the best quarterback in the class when they clearly, clearly have a need. They have used 10 quarterbacks since Peyton Manning retired, and they have the second lowest total QBR in the league at 44.4. Clearly, you have a need for quarterback. And I'm sorry, I don't give a shit that you traded for Teddy Two Gloves. Like, Teddy Bridgewater sucks, okay? I don't know why everybody likes the dude because he got hurt and he came back. He's not any good. He can't play dead in a cowboy movie, all right? You have Justin Fields (laughs) sitting there and you pass on him. You whiff. And for what? Like Patrick Sertain the second could be a good player. He could be a very solid player, but he ain't a quarterback. And that's what matters, especially in that division. What the hell is Denver doing? I really don't like the Teddy trade. I'm not a big Teddy guy. I don't like not I don't I don't think he like sucks. I think he's just 
mediocre. He's just fine. Like that's that's part of the problem. It'd almost be better if he was worse because then you could like bottom out and then maybe actually get a quarterback. I just I don't think he really moves the needle for them at all. Um, I, you know, obviously they didn't give up much to get him, and also Carolina had to pay like a, a majority of the salary. So you know, it wasn't like a bad trade for them, but it just didn't really do anything for me. I mean, Sats, are you discounting the possibility that Aaron Rodgers is coming to the AFC West? Okay, now that's a different. Now they may know more than me in that situation, and if so, kudos to them. That would be brilliant uh, if they get Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that's fantastic. Another thing I want to point out is they have a great offensive core in Denver. Like that is such a sweet spot for any quarterback that lands there. Judy and Sutton and Hamler and Noah Fant. I love Noah Fant. Like Tim they're Patrick. in a great spot. Yeah, to welcome in another quarterback. So if they get if they get Aaron Rodgers, that's incredible. And by the way, Mark Schlereth, who hosts the radio show in Denver on draft night, said that a deal is as close to done as it could get. So maybe that happens. And if they do, then more power to them. They knew more than me. And congratulations. But as it stands right now, I'm scratching my head. I here's how I feel. I have long said I not to pat myself on the back, but I feel like I was really early. You on never the, do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I was really early on the John Elway sucks at evaluating quarterbacks take. Um, and people have only like recently come around to this. Like people forget he wanted to pay Brock Osweiler. People forget like, and he was bailed out by, by Houston in that capacity. I mean, not a great show for Houston today, but um, I mean, he was all in on Trevor Simeon. He traded up for Paxton Lynch. I mean, th- there are so many sunk costs here. Um, you know, top 10 picks are supposed to be hit. So Patrick Sertan now has to be a pick or a hit because he's a top 10 pick, but uh Two years ago, they had the 10th overall pick, and they traded out of it with Pittsburgh when they jumped up to get Devin Bush, and they picked up a second-round pick in the process, and they used that second-round pick to trade up to get Drew Locke. So, like, I mean, they are just, like, you know, paying off one credit card with another, with another. Now, like, again, I agree with you, BLG, like, the cost to get Teddy Bridgewater is minimal, but the grand scheme of it all is so massive. And it's been a long time since, you know, Peyton Manning retired. But even that was, like, not a, an ability to evaluate quarterbacks. Like, good job, John Elway. You you took a risk on Peyton Manning. You're, you're really good at this. And the only thing, the only thing that John Elway has been good – I know he's not the general manager anymore, but that, that he has been good at in his, his, you know, reign atop the Broncos franchise is drafting Von Miller with the second overall pick 10 years ago. Not a complicated decision. And – using his, you know, personality to court Peyton Manning and TJ Ward and DeMarcus Ware. Like, that's it. I mean, he's he's good at being the legend that is John Elway. And honestly, you know, if you are upset about that, it might work again. Like, it, that might be <laughs> what 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 they need to land Aaron Rodgers. And if that's – Stats, you mentioned a fastball a moment ago. He has one pitch. And if, if he – like, right now, if the fastball works, like, who gives a damn? Because it's it might work again. And that if if it does, then they're geniuses for drafting Patrick Sertain. Yeah, like let's see what happens with Denver. Let's see if they get if they get Aaron which by the way, if they get Aaron Rodgers and we get Rodgers, Mahomes, and Justin Herbert in that division, like sign me up for that. Holy crap, that would be incredible. All right, can I talk about the Chargers now? I want to talk about the Chargers. Okay, BLG. I'll, anything the Chargers, I'm so high on the Chargers right now that I don't think I could criticize them no matter what they did. Uh, what did you think of what L.A. did? I feel like like my AFC team is the Chargers. I just I like the Chargers. Mm. Uh, I don't love that they're in L.A., though. That's that's kind of a problem. Uh, I wish they were back in San Diego, has some family in San Diego. Anyway, uh, love what they've done this offseason. 
stats, I believe, when you and I did winners and losers for the Oddcast and free agency, pretty sure we named the Chargers as winners for that. And I don't see how they couldn't be winners from the draft. Last year, the Bolts ranked 30th in pass block grade by Pro Football Focus. They added Corey Lindsley, PFF's top-graded center in free agency. Also, underrated signing at guard, Matt Feeler, who used to be on the Steelers. Like he, He's actually, I think, really good, and he graded out well by PFF as well. Now you add Rashawn Slater as your left tackle. Like The Chargers have rebuilt this offensive line that was bad last year, and Justin Herbert still thrives behind, and now like it's good to go. And they have a new coaching staff in there. I still think, you know, uh, there's things they could do. I would really like to see them add Zach Ertz if the Eagles end up cutting him, which I think they might have to, or trade him for like a day three pick, let's say. Stats I've said all offseason, and I guess, RJ, I'll tell you this too. I, I'm saying, and I know Pete Sweeney's really going to appreciate this, um, and especially if it doesn't happen, and I'm sure he'll clip this or something, and he'll be quick to remind me. Chargers are winning the, this division. They're winning the AFCS in 20. Oh, my. Do you believe in that? If yes. Aaron Rodgers is traded, if Aaron, no, but if Aaron Rodgers is traded to Denver, does that does that change the math for you? Or you're still all in, no matter what. I'm still all in. I mean, obviously that makes me like hesitate and think a little bit more. Right. But yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm very confident in the Chargers. I think their new coaching staff is good. I think Herbert. I'm worried of a sophomore slump because sometimes that just happens with players. Sometimes you you know you taste that rookie success and you kind of you know think oh I made it and then you fall off a little bit the next year. But uh, I think he's just really good. And again, like he was good behind a really bad offensive line last year and with bad coaching. Like he, I think the coaching got better, the offensive line got better. I, I'm all in on the Chargers, man. I think, and I also just when it comes to the Chiefs, I think they've done a good job of building their offensive line too, or rebuilding it. But I just think it's tough. Like they've went deep into these seasons the past two years. Like that could catch up with you at some point. It's hard to like continually do that. I know the Patriots did it, but that's the exception and not the norm. And I know Patrick Mahomes is exceptional, but I think if there's a quarterback to give him a run for his money, it's one in his division. It's Justin Herbert. This isn't a take as much as it's like a pre-take. Um, so like it's not true now, but it could be. The Kansas City Chiefs might be the biggest losers from this past weekend mm. um, in the sense that the Chargers got a lot better right to the point. I mean, they, they were patient. They landed Rashawn Slater, obviously, and, and that, that goes a long way. Um, and I think we're all very excited about that, um, which is a lot of fun. Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round. So, you know, lots of nice pieces there. And I know that the Chiefs picked up a, you know, an offensive lineman themselves and obviously had to wait. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, BLG, uh, but Pete messaged me the moment that Creed Humphrey was drafted and said that uh, he believes Patrick Mahomes will lock up MVP by week 12. Um, and Pete the said hubris. this. In, yeah, I mean, he said this in full <laughs> seriousness. Uh, but we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers potentially winding up with the Denver Broncos. I mentioned this on the daily kickoff today. He's also been linked to the Las Vegas Raiders. And so, like, those are those not the two teams that we're hearing the most chatter about now, right? Like the Broncos and the Raiders. So, if Aaron Rodgers moves, which I don't know, however, you, not you two, but like the general you feels, it does feel like maybe like 51% likely. I mean, it feels like it's it's going to be to the AFC West. And, you know, that means and, – and that's not a division that the NFC North plays this year, which makes it a wise move for Green Bay. Obviously, they don't want to get burned by Aaron Rodgers immediately. I, I just think, like, very quickly, the massive gap that existed between Kansas City and the field could be, I mean, like – 20% of what it was originally just because of things that the other teams are doing. And to your point, PLG, like it is so hard to sustain things. I think a team that failed at that and that there's no shame in that is like Seattle, like Seattle went deep, you know, a long time in a row and walked away with only one title. 
And then, you know, now we're seeing the wheels kind of fall off. It is so difficult to do. And I think Kansas City's they're, they're in that scary part where teams generally start to backtrack. And that is the best news for everybody else in the NFL. Yes, please have Patrick Mahomes have to fight and claw tooth and nail just to win the AFC West every year. Like that is exactly what the rest of the NFL wants to hear. So we will see how that plays out. Before we go, I don't want to uh, give short shrift to the AFC East because we kind of skipped over them a little bit. The New England Patriots, I thought, were fascinating because I thought they had an interesting strategy. To me, what New England did was they said, okay, you know what? We admit we've had draft problems. Robert Kraft basically called out Bill Belichick and said, we have not drafted very well, and that's why we've spent all this money in free agency. I think what they decided to do was like, okay, we can't draft wide receivers. We'll just pay them in free agency. Like They paid to cover up their draft weaknesses. They haven't been able to find a tight end for years. Oh, well, you know what? We'll just go sign Hunter Henry, and we'll sign Jonu Smith. And so I think what that allowed them to do in the draft was just stick to their board, take the best player available. They're trying to rebuild that defense a little bit. They had 24 sacks last year as a team, guys. That is the fewest amount of sacks that a Bill Belichick team has ever had in his entire 46-year coaching career. That includes his time with the Giants as a defensive coordinator. So they needed to bulk up on D. I like kind of the overall strategy of what New England did, BLG. I have them in my losers. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, I, and it's not because I think Mac Jones is terrible. I actually have said many times before, I think he's fine. I think he's solid. But I think the problem with the Patriots and what they've done in both the draft and free agency is they've committed the sin, which is a huge problem in a league, more so like the NBA, of racing out to the middle. Like They're like, you know, I, I don't think what they've done – suddenly makes them contenders again. I think they're just kind of like a solid team, might be above average team, but they're not this elite team that they used to be. I think they're chasing their tail in that regard, and I don't think they're getting back to that just by drafting Mac Jones. I think their floor has been raised by drafting him, but I still don't really like the ceiling of this team with Mac Jones and Cam Newton as your quarterbacks. I think Mac Jones is like a Kirk Cousins kind of player who RJ likes a lot, uh, I will point out. Not really the most uh, successful guy in the postseason. Um, so I really don't actually love what they've done here. Uh, but I guess that's not a surprise because I also thought they were losers in free agency and have been this whole offseason. I think that generally when teams are heavily linked to like the fourth or fifth quarterback in the draft, because that happens every year, right? Like like I, Paxton Lynch was like a really obvious candidate to go to Denver, you know, that particular year. And, and so Mac Jones was like, it was so obvious. He's going to go to New England, going to go to New England. And he was, you know, the last quarterback taken in the first round. That never works out. Like that just never, ever, ever works. I know that's like a lame archetype, but it just never works out. Um, this has nothing to do with the Patriots necessarily, but thinking about this, the big winner to me is Alabama. Um, obviously again, just gods of college football, but remember like it was not long ago where it was like, man, no Alabama quarterback ever makes it in the NFL. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, Mac Jones. There are now three Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL and two of them have former teammates of theirs while at Alabama as wide receivers to throw to. That's just amazing that that happened really quickly. And within that, I just want to sneak this in now so that I have it on the record somehow, some way. I bold prediction. It's kind of a like TBD thing. Nick Saban will return to the NFL someday. Like there's so much talent matriculating from his program into the NFL. I think it will happen. And it, it, it will. I mean, if, if Urban Meyer ends up in the NFL at some point, Nick Saban is going to, you know, come back and try to do it because he's already conquered all he can at the collegiate level. Which Alabama quarterback of those three wins the most games this season? Tua. 
okay. this season. No hesitation right there. He's got the best team. I mean, and I mean, Mac has the best coach. I would, I would put Mac as the second most likely BLG, but that's the Belichick factor more than it is anything else. I mean, um, and so, but also Mac will probably play the fewest games, right? Because he also has Cam, you know, ahead of him, uh, and you know, we know how teams are in situations like that. So, uh, Tua. Although I would maybe say that my long term belief in the three might be the lowest on Tua. Um, I I don't hate Jalen Hurts the way a lot of Eagles fans do. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm interested to see him this season. I really am. Uh, but for 2021, I think the answer is Tua, which sucks for your future first-round pick, I know. So there you have it. There are There is our look at your AFC winners and losers. All my picks are 100% accurate. Our, RJ Ocho and BLG, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Want to remind you again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We always love your reviews. Keep them coming. If you have questions, we're happy to answer those. RJ, BLG, thank you for welcoming me in on Monday Football Monday. I appreciate it. And, Why are you uh, thinking BLG? This isn't his house. <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. I filled in for Pete like three times now recently, yeah, so I don't know. Some are saying uh, Monday Football Monday is my show now. Well, so we have like a <laughs> we have a massive property here at Monday Football Monday. I mean, it's like 600 acres. That's the, the first like wave. I mean, we're, we have a lot of projects under construction. But um, so BLG, like you can live in the pool house here. You know what I mean? Like Pete and I each have like a, a suite, you know, of, of, a, of a castle going on. But we've got a pool house. It's got a lot of, you know, amenities. I think you'll feel uh, well acclimated, well appreciated. Uh, certainly better than the digs you guys are working with on the Oddcast, at least. Keep telling yourself that, Audrey. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll talk to you tomorrow with the NFC. NFC.